Howdy and welcome to the 10-Week Bible Study. This is week one, day three of our study of Acts. I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and today we're talking about Acts 2, 1 through 13. Well, welcome back to the 10-Week Bible Study. Again, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we start today? Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God. Speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you. We want to know you more through your word today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. We're reading today from the NIV. This is Acts 2, starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay, so already in this book, we've had two very strange encounters, right? We first one is Jesus is floating away into the clouds, and now, uh, around seven days later, they're all assembled and we know there's 120 of them. I've asked the question, were they all together all the time? Were they coming and going and going to work and then coming in their free time? It's not 100% clear to me, but there's a bunch of them packed into this room. And on the day of Pentecost, this 50 days after the day of Passover, and there's all of these people, <clears throat> maybe all 120 of them, maybe some faction of the 120, but there's a bunch of them. We know that. And they're praying and they're all together, you know, they're in this, they're, they're, they're being obedient to Jesus, I think is the most important thing. Jesus said, go and wait, go and wait, right? And, and what they don't know is Jesus says, go and wait. He didn't say how long. Now, maybe he gave them some indication, some hint that they don't express in any of the gospels or hear. But what if Jesus said, go and wait, and it was five years? What if it was a thousand years for the coming of the Holy Spirit? I mean, very often the Lord says, hey, I'm about to do this thing. I'm, it's coming soon. And, you know, for the God who, you know, a day is like a thousand years, what does soon mean? What does go and wait mean for these people? They don't know exactly what that's going to be. It turns out it's seven days, right? So it's not that long, but it could have been a, a very long time. And they're being obedient to him, not knowing how long this is going to take. But they see little flames on top of each one of their heads, right? They're seeing this with their eyes. This is, is I don't know if this is an open vision that they're all simultaneously having where there's not physically actually little things of fire over their heads or whether there actually is where there's a physical manifest flame over top their heads and they're all seeing that. I don't know exactly how that worked. They saw it. It was, it was real in, in some form or fashion. Like they didn't, they weren't making this up. And I, I'm, I'm always like, I, I think about how did Luke do the interviews for this? Like after the fact, did Luke, you know, as he's quizzing these people and saying, well, what, what was the thing? Well, I don't know. It was like a little thing of fire. It looked like just a little tongue of fire. And I was like, well, well, was it real? I mean, did, was it hot? Did you feel it? Did you see it? Or did you just kind of imagine? No, we all saw it. You know, it's like, 
well, did you, you know, was it hot? I was like, I don't know. I didn't touch it. It looked like fire. I didn't, I wasn't going to touch. I mean, I, I really do. I wonder what those interviews and those conversations look like that, that Luke had with the people who were telling him all, all about this day, right? For them, it's got to be this really weird experience, but something about the, the wind that blows through and these tongues of fire, they get charged up. And they know this is the thing, right? They know this is the thing that the Lord was telling them was going to happen. And so they, they see all this, they experience the wind, but something, something inside them makes them say, let's go outside. Let's go find people, right? And so they start going out. And so they start speaking in tongues. And maybe they started speaking in other tongues to each other before they even left. But something about all of this is like, let's get up out of this upper room and we're going outside. We're going to go find people. All right, verse five. <clears throat> now that we're staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. <clears throat> when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. So, so this is an interesting um, thing here, right? They heard the sound. There are there people interestingly hear something. Now, was it that they hear the commotion of people speaking in tongues, or was it that they heard the sound of this rushing wind? What was it that they heard? I, I'm always a little curious about that. I think they actually heard the sound of this rushing wind, and it wasn't just that the Holy Spirit was given to you know, the, the people in that upper room, but the Holy Spirit actually manifestly moves through the city and gets everyone's attention. This is a dramatic supernatural encounter. And so all of these people, they start coming together and then they start hearing the, the people speaking in tongues. Now I want to point out something here. It's very important for us to understand in the book of Acts when it says God fearing Jews from every nation. <clears throat> so what we're talking about is, is when we're going to talk about the different distinctions of, of people that a Jew would have made at this time in Israel. And, uh, and so what we're talking about is we've got a whole bunch of devout Jews from all over the world, all over the, the Roman Greek world, all around the Mediterranean and, and throughout the Middle East, Persia, uh, Arabia, all of that, they've come from everywhere for Passover. They've made a pilgrimage for Passover to celebrate Passover in Israel. They've stayed 50 days for the day of Pentecost. It was very costly and very difficult to travel back then. And so you didn't just say, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem this weekend. That wasn't a thing. If you got on a boat, it could be weeks or months. If you walked, it could be weeks or months to get where you're going from and to. And so traveling like this, this might be a once in a lifetime kind of thing. And so they're, they're making a, a great distance, a great journey over a great distance. And they're going to stay for a while, right? They're camping out in Jerusalem for maybe this full 50 days. Maybe they get there right before Passover and they're staying right after Pentecost. So there's a bunch of people here. We'll get down into the breakdown of, of who these different people are here in a little bit. Verse six, <clears throat> when they heard the sound, they came together in bewilderment because each one heard their language, their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, 
residents of Mesopotamia, Judah and Cappadocia. Let's say this. So Parthians, Mede, Elamites, these are people from what we would consider Iran, that area, Persians. Um, and then residents of Mesopotamia, that would be uh, modern-day Iraq, Judah and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. This is, of course, Israel and then north. And then Pontus and Asia would have been in modern-day Turkey, Phrygia, Pamphylia. Um, this is, again, all along the Mediterranean, modern-day Turkey, Syria, Israel, uh, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. This is North Africa. And visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, verse 11, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? <clears throat> Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. All right, that's not the end of the story. We're going to pause there for today because Peter is going to stand up and he's going to address this, this comment, all right? There must have been this big commotion and like we hear them speaking in our own languages, but I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand why we can hear that because we know that they're Galileans. These are all Jewish people. Some people have mistaken uh, because all of these peoples are coming from all of these other nations um, people have mistakenly identified them as, you know, well, they're, they're, they're Cretans and Arabs. So there's Arabs and, and, you know, uh, Medes or Persians, and they're, they're all coming here. And so they've mistakenly identified them as Gentiles. It's not Gentiles. It says very clearly at the outset of this, that they were God fearing Jews. So again, they're Jewish people from all over the diaspora coming back to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover and Pentecost. And they happen to be in Jerusalem for these festivals. And that's when all of this takes place. None of these people are Gentiles. It's a really important point to understand as we make our way through Acts. There's going to be a lot of Acts that won't make sense if you think that these people are Gentiles. They are not Gentiles. And so what I'm going to break down is... <clears throat> The, the categories of people that a Jewish person would have understood. And this is all in the, the printed 10-week Bible study for the book of Acts that I'm holding right here. For those of you who can see this on camera, I'm actually going to pull open here to uh, my description of the different people in the book of Acts. And what we've got are... First of all, we've got Jews, or God-fearing Jews, um, people that are born Jewish. They are religiously Jewish. They are Jewish in every way that you can imagine. Like they're actually Jewish people, Hebrew people, and and they they worship the God of Heaven. The second one here that I have listed are Hellenistic Jews. This is one that we're going to see later on in the Book of Acts. A Hellenistic Jew, and most of what these people are who there on the day of Pentecost. Um, that they're talking about, they're from all of these different nations, they would be considered Hellenistic Jews. And these are Jews that after the Babylonian captivity, what's known as the Diaspora, not everyone came back to Israel. A lot of the people stayed in Babylon. We see that in the book of Esther. Uh, the, the book of Esther takes place after the exiles have been allowed to return from Persia. There's still Esther, Mordecai, there's still a large Jewish contingent in Persia and all over the, the Persian Empire. And that continues all the way through the Greek Empire 
and the Roman Empire that we're in now in, in the story of Acts, <clears throat> there's people all over the place. There's Jews in Rome, there's Jews in North Africa, there's Jews on the island of Crete, there's Jews in in Saudi, what's what we call now Saudi Arabia, then it was just Arabia. Um, you know, you've got people in Turkey and just, just all over, right? And so they've all come back and they would be called Hellenistic Jews. And what that means is their mother tongue or their first language is not Hebrew, or actually they would have spoken Aramaic at this time, but their first language, the language that they learned to communicate in with the school children, the people around them is something else. And that's what they're saying is like, why can we hear them? I'm like, so all of these people presumably can speak Aramaic, which is the, the version of Hebrew they spoke at the time, uh, at this time in history. And so presumably they can all speak Aramaic or a lot of them can so that they can communicate in the synagogues and things like that. But their actual day-to-day language where they're from would have been, you know, whatever they spoke in, in, in Crete and whatever they spoke in Arabia and whatever they spoke in Rome, you know, Latin or whatever at the time, Greek. Um, and so they, they all speak all of these different languages and that's their native tongue. So all of a sudden they're not hearing in the more difficult language to them, right? If they're speaking Aramaic and they can speak that, but it's probably difficult for them. If you've ever been to other countries, you speak several languages, you know what this feels like when, when you're, you, you have to work, you have to process, you have to live somewhere for a very long time before it no longer takes mental energy and effort to translate inside your head before you say something or when you're hearing something that you're translating. When that language becomes so uh, common to you, it almost becomes native. All of these people are saying, it's like, we're not hearing them in that language that's a struggle for us. We're hearing them in our native language. That's what makes them Hellenistic Jews. Hellenistic mean that they're they're of Greek influence is not necessarily like the people in Arabia. They're not necessarily under Greek influence. That was just the term for anybody who basically didn't come back to Israel. They're Jews, but they're not in Israel. They don't speak Aramaic, Hebrew as their native language. They they were part of the diaspora. They've kind of been assimilated into the Greek world's culture. And so they're considered Hellenistic Jews. They're still very much Jewish by birth, by religion but they don't speak Hebrew Aramaic as their native language. All right, third I've got here in the book is we've got uh, Jewish converts. And Jewish converts are Gentiles who've decided, I want to worship the one true God of heaven, this Yahweh that the, the, the Jews worship. And so what that means is these are Gentiles, adult Gentiles, who get circumcised and start following the laws and customs of Moses, the, the, the things that Jews do. That is what a Jewish convert is. Now, they are not born Jewish. They are not by DNA um, and, and heredity Jewish, but they have taken on, they've become Jewish by religion uh, through circumcision and all the, the rites and, and laws of Moses. And so now they behave like Jews. They are Gentiles that have become re- religious Jews. And so they're considered uh, Jewish converts. That's what you would call a Jewish convert is someone who is start, you know, again, getting circumcised as an adult, that's a huge deal. And then starting to follow the laws of Moses. That's what they are. Number five would be Gentiles or pagans. Um, 
Sometimes it's referred to in different translations and different parts of the New Testament as Greeks. Um, but it's, it's all of this word to mean not Jewish, right? They are not, <clears throat> they're not, uh, Jews. They're not Hellenistic Jews. They're not, um, they're, they're not worshipers of God. I think I left one out actually. And I, I think I've, I left out God fearing Gentiles. Um, I think I'm pretty sure I did the God fearing Gentiles. Yeah. God fearing Gentiles would have been number four. And then the Gentiles are number five. They're the fifth class. They're the, the people that are, they're just Gentiles. They don't worship God. They're pagans. They worship false gods. Those are Gentiles. <clears throat> I left out God fearing Gentiles. They would have been people that, that worship the one true God of heaven. They worship Yahweh, the, the God that the Jews worship, but they haven't been circumcised and they don't follow all the laws of Moses. And so it was actually in the temple, there was a court of the Gentiles where essentially Gentiles could come and come and see and, and be like, what's this all about? They weren't allowed in the inner courts. No Gentile ever was allowed in those inner courts, but a, a Gentile could kind of come and see. Now, uh, someone who had converted to Judaism, they're allowed in. But uh, one of these what would consider God-fearing Gentiles, they wouldn't be allowed in the inner courts. Um, they haven't been circumcised. They don't follow the law of Moses, but they do honor God. They honor the one true God. This is going to make a lot more sense as we go throughout the study, but this is very foundational to our understanding of how this book is written and the way that the people in the book of Acts talk. And when we have this foundation of these five categories of people, as the, the Jews thought about people, it will help uh, make acts make a lot more sense. It really is foundational to the way things are going to play out. And if you don't understand these five categories of people, again, this is not like five categories of people in general. This is how Jews in the first century thought about people, right? We've got uh, Jews, Hellenistic Jews, um, <clears throat> uh, Jewish converts, God-fearing Gentiles, and then regular Gentiles or pagans. Those are the five classes of people. When we know that, again, this book is going to make so much more sense because we're going to get later in the book, we're going to find Cornelius. We're going to find out that he's actually a God-fearing Gentile or God-fearing Greek, but he's not a Jewish convert. And that's going to create a whole lot of intrigue and then controversy in the church in Jerusalem amongst all the believers. I've, I've heard so many times, so many times it taught that on the day of Pentecost, all of these Gentiles became Christian. And that's absolutely not true. What we're about to see here in chapter two, not a single one of the people that become a Christian, that give their life to Jesus on this day, not a single one of them is a Gentile, not one. And they, some of them are Gentiles by birth, but they're Jewish converts, meaning they have been circumcised and their whole family follows the law of Moses. And to the Jews, that makes them a Jew. That makes them a Jewish convert. They're not a Gentile. The last two categories are the only ones that are Gentiles, meaning that they are uncircumcised. If you were, if if the males in your household are uncircumcised, you are a Gentile. You may honor the God of heaven, but you are still a Gentile. And in, in a lot of ways, you are a reprobate to any Jewish person. And it's very important for us to understand that that's how they thought about people. Those were the categories of people that they had in their minds. And when we understand that, it's going to make the book of Acts really come alive if you've never seen it through that lens. We have to see it through that first century Jewish lens to fully get a picture of what's going on. 
With that, we'll pause for today. We'll pick up what Peter says in response that they've had too much wine tomorrow. For the 10-Week Bible Study, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.